Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Real Weirdos Podcast. We're two and a half white men with English degrees talk about movies for way too goddamn long. Today, we're talking about Titan by director Julia de Corneau. I believe that's what it is, I, French director. Yeah. Um, if I got it wrong, I apologize, but I think that was pretty on point. But before we get to that, we're going to do some news. Gonna change up the format a little bit. Put the time span timestamp at the bottom in the description if you want to skip it. But big Hollywood news: Bruce Willis. We've all been wondering for years what the hell was going on because he was in all those crap movies, and we're like, do you just not care? Like, it is is weird. It was an interesting talking point for a lot of people who like movies. And then like Red Letter Media had their whole like double video expose kind of thing on it, which was interesting. But then it turns out he has aphasia and uh, his cognitive decline. So he's quitting the movie industry. Yeah. I was actually really sad to hear about this news. Um, I'm not like a Bruce Willis, like aficionado or anything, but I like the movies that he was in. And I like Bruce Willis. And for some reason, this one kind of hit me. It was sad. Like I was, I don't know. It, it's just different for some reason for this one. Like, Actors, you know, old actors fade away all the time. They have Alzheimer's or dementia. But for some reason, for him to be, like, you know, conscious enough or, like, present enough to be like, okay, I need to step away because I know I have this problem. If it was him or his publicist, whatever. It just felt all kind of, like, sad and kind of just too soon. But it does kind of explain the artistic decline, I guess, if you want to say. It's, it may or may not. See, here's the thing, uh, and I agree this is sad. It sucks. Bruce Willis has been uh, in some awesome movies, mostly in the Wayback Machine at this point. Um, but he, I think you and I talked about this at some point, Alex, where it feels like the last time he tried in a movie was maybe Looper, Moonrise Kingdom, like 2012 era. And ever since then, it's been a, an artistic decline. It's hard to say how much of that is tied together. But there is a, there are a lot of like stories about there how Bruce Willis is kind of an asshole to work with and just didn't care a lot. But yeah, I don't know. It is difficult to say. It is difficult to say. Yeah, yeah. It was a bummer to hear. I mean, aphasia is one hell of a disorder to have. You know, cognitive decline in general is awful. You know, dementia, Alzheimer's. But aphasia, you know, you just like you lose this kind of ability to communicate, which is kind of what an actor does essentially is communicates different characters in many different ways so it's kind of a really crappy disease to happen to anyone but an actor it's like you really get to see your career just end instantly and it made me think of robin williams you know it's just like an actor who like goes through a cognitive decline just like kind of can see themselves slipping away it's a bummer and like you know while yes he did make a lot of schlock at the end of his career. <laughs> I mean, we're talking, there's, there's characters that are just too iconic that he has created that are like some characters like that are literally in like the Mount Rushmore of all time. Like, 
protagonists and anti-heroes. Mm, I mean, I who are you of thinking about? Pulp Fiction, you know, yeah. the first one that comes to mind, obviously. Book. Wait, no, not Book. What's his name in that? Bud. 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 Um, you know, Die Hard. You know, yippee Kaye, motherfuckers. The original like John McClane. Yeah. The most, like, one of the most quoted lines. Dude, my aunt is such a huge Bruce Willis fan. She's like seven in her seventies now, but she's such a big Bruce Willis fan that for Christmas I found this image that's like this regal prince-like portrait, like this painting of Bruce Willis, and then got it like framed for her for her wall. Yeah, I don't know. So you're, you're, there's a little family nice. tie in there you're, too. You're, you're a nice kid. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. You're a good boy. Like you could put it on your dresser. If I had thought about it, like more i would have had like someone stencil in like to natalie from bruce you know <laughs> oh nice <laughs> that but was I didn't do that. just create a forgery <laughs> yeah exactly uh but yeah bruce willis i mean nobody's in in the in the span of time you know assuming we continue as a race looking back people aren't going to remember these just like junk movies he made at the end of his career no one ever like thinks or talks about those and for good reason like people are going to remember the diehards and the loopers and fifth element and all this cool stuff that he did. And, uh, he's definitely cemented his place in cinematic history and it sucks to see him go. Yep. So props to the man and sympathies Mm -hmm. moving on. uh, It's happening. It's fucking happening. The crow, the crow reboot is happening. Um, it's going to be starring, uh, Bill Skarsgård, and is being directed by a man named Rupert Sanders, who uh, <laughs> you look at his filmography and you're like, okay, yep. So he's directed Snow White and the Huntsman and The Ghost in the Shell, the American Ghost in the Shell. So two relatively relatively average, forgettable movies. Sounds wow. like this will be a forgettable reboot. Just don't do it. A- anyone involved in it, if you're listening, just stop. Stop. Let, let it be. Come on. What are you doing? It doesn't matter, man. Like this is the, I mean at the end of the day these are all jobs. <sighs> and like these movies have to happen because grips and gaffs and lighting techs and camera techs need to like put food on their table. So at the end of the <laughs> day it's like make the stupid fucking remake, have all these guys that deserve to get paid get paid, have all the people who don't deserve to get paid still get paid more than all the people who deserve to get paid and then we can continue on with the one out of a thousand movies <sighs> we get to watch a year that's halfway worth it. This this one should be left the fuck alone though. I hope it, it should. has oh, production woes. should woes. be left alone. This one especially though <laughs> for the Brandon Lee reasons. I was like, going to say. Yeah, it, I mean yeah, this is be. a little bit of a disrespect the dead kind of thing. I mean, there's. I guess you could consider it as a tribute, and I'm sure that they'll spin it that way in their own brains. But nah, get the fuck out of here, especially with this director. Like, I don't know. There'll be little Easter. Just leave it alone. And like callbacks in the film, it'll. There'll be so much fan service, like just lip service to the audience that I don't even know if I'll be interested in the story. But I will say I'm less angry than people who grew up with the film, right? Because I saw it like I really digested it the first time we did the episode. So for me, it's more like. Okay, I mean, but I can feel like do you feel do you feel like it's personal, Jesse? <laughs> I mean, let's let's be real here. There are many deeper 
tragedies going on in the world oh. than a crow remake <laughs> um so i mean uh, of course putting it in the in the context of like general global disarray oh, yeah. and terrible things it doesn't fucking matter yeah, yeah, yeah but if we're just talking about like on the, in the purely the cinematic space which is what we do here mm-hmm. then yeah it's it's <laughs> it's a personal affront <laughs> and uh i say fuck you fuck your movie and i i look forward to the 42 metascore that's my that's my uh What's the word? That's what I'm thinking. Do they have a date? That's my prediction. Um, I think it's supposed to be starting production this uh, summer-ish. So we'll probably see it in a year or two. Okay. Yeah, and I hope it has the worst production, most troubled production, and it never sees the light of day. (laughs) You're good to hear, folks. And with that out of the way, let's talk about an insane psychosexual family drama from France. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's called like Titan. En- it's a car enthusiast wet dream. Um <laughs> in in some ways. Yeah. So um yeah, I chose this movie because I guess I'm on a roll here with like psychosexual horror movies. We've done a lot lately, especially Alex and I. This is like the fourth one in two months. Yeah. We did Antichrist, High Life, uh Enter the Void. Yeah. The Gaspar Noe film. And now this one. So um if you guys don't know about Titan, people out there, it's a film where a lady has sex with a car, gets pregnant with a car baby, question mark, <laughs> um, goes on the run because she's a murderer, and then weasels her way into a household with a grieving father by pretending to be his missing son. It's a wild movie, and it's desperately uncomfortable. I think, and if you're okay with it being desperately uncomfortable and not caring about your boundaries, I think it's one of the most interesting movies of last year. And that's my summary. So, Jeff Casino, what'd you think of Titan, baby? Titan was really interesting and entertaining. Um, shot beautifully, lit incredibly. Like, it's you mute this movie and it would still be really, really fun to watch. It's visually striking. It's definitely French. There's it has its it has that French kind of experimental feel to it. I can't really only put it that way, like a buttery scone. It just kind of feels, <laughs> wait. What it feels like a. It, well, how is this movie like a buttery scone? It's Let's not. Go back it's just to that. it has its own. It has its own flavor. You know. Um, okay. I found the psychosexual stuff to not be as overwhelmingly interruptive as i originally thought so i was pleased with that it's it it has its place in it but it doesn't overstay its welcome the movie's short and gets to the point which i really enjoyed you do love that sub two hours i believe yep it's 147 and it is beautiful for that (laughs) it's so funny that's like just such a just a jeff thing now it's like (laughs) under two hours yes Oh, or as Alex is like, give me the four and a half hour cut. <laughs> give me the four and a half hour cut of Dune and I'll watch it. But, yeah. But Titan, uh, it, yeah, it's just, it's good. I, I enjoyed it. And I think it was funny when it should have been. It really controlled tone well, which I think it was its most, I think if I were to put like, what's the most impressive thing about it is it, it controls its own tone beautifully. Mm. Alex, what did you think of Titan? So I was lukewarm on it, actually, at first. And I still kind of am, but only because of the... 
I have a like there's a caveat to that. I wanted to say this film is like winning lots of accolades and it's very highly regarded. Um, it didn't make the shortlist for the Oscars for well, we know why now. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it won the Palme d'Or yeah. and got a nine minute standing ovation at Cannes. Yeah, so this movie um, is definitely like it's not something to just like sneeze at, right? Um the beginning for some reason, the the way that the movie was front loaded with such a cold, like inhumanity really made me mad at the beginning. Mad. Yeah, I was like Interesting. I was like, there's this is like to use one of your criticisms, I was like, this movie lacks humanity. There's nothing redeeming in this. Like, it was just front loaded with like this sheer brutality that I t- could not connect with at first. Um, and it was really the scene where, well, I won't get into it, but like, we learn that she's kind of the main character. We can get into it. This okay. Is spoilers from here on out. Yeah. We learn that she's like a serial killer, right? Like, and that there are bodies that she's been like leaving, you know, littered all over France or whatever. And. She's in that, she's at like a party where she meets a girl where she has, starts to have like a little romantic like rendezvous with. Yeah, right? it's one of the girls who she works with at as like a, a dancer at this car festival, yeah. like le- nightclub kind of thing. Yeah, yeah they like, like park car the cars show inside. Place. <laughs> yeah, it's a car show, but with like strippers. It's interesting. Very French, Very European, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah, at first this movie made me really angry. I was like, "There's," I was like, "I don't know." I just couldn't connect to anything of it. So, can I can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah, of course. Do you, uh, now having seen the full scope of the film, do you feel like that that beginning anger that you had and the reasons you had for that anger were intentional? Yes. And do you feel like the movie played with that and transformed it? Yes. Okay. I feel like it remedied itself, especially with the theme of machine coldness. You know, if we want to call it that. Mm. Um, but Yes, it did redeem itself, but at first I was I was quite upset actually. <laughs> I was like I didn't like the French music superimposed over the killing of all the people and I was just like I don't know. At first I felt like okay, killing is cool. That's what you guys are going for. Being edgy is cool. But I gave the movie more time to grow and I gave it a chance to, you know, do its thing. But going back to what Jeff said, it's fucking gorgeous. This movie is beautiful and some of the shots are just the scene where she walks into the car, you know, and she has sex with it. That whole scene where, like, the camera's in front of the headlights and everything. Oh, is beautiful. Worth pointing out that this is only her second film. and The uh, actress so I or am, the director? Uh, the director. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I am Damn. really looking forward to what she's able to do next because this is a really fascinating cinematic voice that she has. Yeah, for sure. This, I mean, this film definitely has hard to say a theme but it definitely has a an artistic through line that i i sometimes felt like was lost when it would shift from one side to to another with like the family drama like sometimes i would forget that she was pregnant with a car you know that does crop up in weird ways you do kind of forget that and then you see images of her swollen belly and her trying to like tape it up because she's supposed to be this guy's son like okay the way that this movie messed with my brain was ridiculous i've seen it twice now and it's one of those movies where i was sitting there with my mouth open at the edge of my seat the whole time just like 
immersed in the tension wondering what the hell this movie's doing to me like this movie does not care about your boundaries i might have said that already but i'll say it again it did not care about my boundaries in terms of like man she tries to give herself like uh, an abortion kind of thing by sticking a, a a thing up there and motor oil comes out she leaks motor oil from her nipples it's a desperately crazy uncomfortable movie but for me what it was is like it starts out as she's a fucking sociopath that has a really extreme dissociative like element to her in terms of a lot of things, right? She's extremely dissociated from normal sexuality. She's only interested in uh, autoeroticism, not not the, you know, stroke and choke, but, you know, like literal cars. <laughs> That's how she gets off. Um, she's alienated to an extreme from her family she hates her dad and whoever i guess his girlfriend to the point where after they find out that she's murdered somebody she literally burns them alive in their house for no reason and then she ends up in this place with the guy vincent we can bring his name into it the the father who lost the son and she plays the son and it's like it becomes this weirdly touching movie about two sociopaths or at least one sociopath and one deeply troubled grieving individual that are just outliers, especially her. She's a complete outlier who is you think that she's unable to garner your sympathy because why would she? And at the end, it's it's kind of about connection. It's weirdly about love. I'm not going to try to do the Vin Diesel thing. It's about family. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is. It's about it's about the necessity of having somebody care about you and caring about somebody no matter how much of a social outlier you are. Yeah. I, it's strange that you say it's about love because I felt at times the opposite. And I'll, and I'll get to that in a second. But... I one thing that was very interesting about this movie is I felt like you couldn't judge it until the end. This is one of those movies that you have to watch all the way through. You can't have like a gut feeling on at this point because my feelings on this movie changed so many times between I didn't like it or okay I get what she's going with this or okay now I'm I'm kind of really into it now and this is. The story is getting kind of tense and gripping, which to me is the best kind of horror, is tension. And I will say that she's not... I, I will disagree that she... I don't think she's a serial killer. I think she's more of just like an opportunistic killer. I think she sees... She, she has a traumatic brain injury, which she has a titanium... Uh, like a cap yeah, put the, into her yeah, brain. Yeah, grafted into there. So there, it kind of adds this whole element of like metal, like the inorganic and organic fusion, which is a theme that comes up quite often. Mm-hmm. But Car baby. You know, the first person she kills is a guy mm-hmm. that's assaulting her. You know, she's a dancer. You know, she's obviously like putting herself out there sexually and these lecherous guys are, she's very popular. She's signing autographs and this dude's like, attacking her and she she kills him by shoving one of her hair like which becomes like her kind of her murder weapon of choice is this hairpin she shoves it in in their ears (laughs) and like that scene this is where the movie was starting to lose because that scene was graphic and gross like he's like eyes rolling back and foam coming out of his mouth i was like oh that's 
all right, cool. I'm not yeah. really interested in ordering lunch right now. But This film is a hard, hard, hard R. Yeah, it definitely is. It's uh, amazing that it even got rough. the R rating. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough at times. That scene um, when she's changing her appearance. I've seen a lot of painful shit on film, <laughs> you know, people hurting themselves and whatnot. And for some reason, the body horror with this filmmaker, it just gets to me. Even more than like Cronenberg. Um, which I will say, she loves the genre. This director loves the genre of body horror. And she loves works that she says center around monstrosities. So with the context of the actual artist, the director, this film was more enjoyable to me. Like seeing her talk about it and things like that. Um, David Lynch is one of her biggest influences. So it would be I would be hard pressed to turn away from that. Um, but I think that going to this like cold machine theme that I was talking about, there's something like machine-like almost about her, right? Like, I don't want to say she, she was like a T-1000 or something at some point. Like, she's like looking in the mirror and she's taping her stuff up and then she's bashing, you know, her nose against the sink. And all I could think of was when fucking Arnold is like cutting into his arm and shit. And I was like, I'm like, you're Ooh. like a car. You're like yeah. a machine. Like, you, it's, it's like weird. That. So like, the mingle of, of flesh and titanium that yeah. is the, the theme of this film and also in, in the title as well. Yeah, I did not know what the title was at first. Well, as soon as she said it, it's made of titanium, yeah. the skull, and it's in French and they say titan, I yeah. was like, oh, okay, there you go. I didn't know, <laughs> I know. that otherwise. But real quick, it's like I had this quick thought as a video game reference. It's to like almost like um, in Grand Theft Auto when you're wanted. Remember when you would go into the pay and spray and you would yeah. get your car changed and yeah. you would come out and you would not. That's be what wanted. she did. <laughs> she oh went in. God. She like went in. And she like as a car. She like uh, changed. She like battered it up. Changed the license plate. Bashed in the uh, window a little bit and like came out as like this different version. <laughs> I mean that is a way to make make comedic one of the most like intense hellish oh, dude, self transformations in scene. cinema. I was like, I had to turn. She away. breaks her nose. Yeah, I'm glad awful. that you. I'm glad that you went there, Alex, though, because when I was doing my synopsis there, in terms of the themes, my brain stopped and images of that went by, yeah. flitted by, and I was like, we gotta talk about body horror yeah. and especially that moment of transformation. Oh. And yeah, I think you're right. Like the the affectiveness of her kind of body horror, this director's kind of body horror is way crazier than anything I've seen. Maybe, maybe in anyone except like maybe some little weird David Lynch moments, definitely more than Cronenberg. And you guys know, I love my Cronenberg, yeah. but I love more him and more like, it's more like fun to me. Yeah. This movie's not fun. No. It's not a pleasurable experience to watch, but as soon as you get through it, you're like, wow. Yeah. And it's like, and I've been really in that space in terms of the films I want to watch. I want movies that challenge me and that, I guess, push boundaries. But I want them to do it in like an artistic way, not some junk way. And at the end of this movie, I was just like full. I felt as full as she was, except with ideas and concepts, not a car baby. <laughs> um, can we talk about that, though? Because like, there, there are more themes to tease out here, apropos, especially when we get into Vincent and what's going on in the second half of the film, which we haven't gotten into. But I just have to stop and ask, like, the, the only thing I can't figure out is, like, what the hell is the deal with the car baby? Mm. Is this just, it must just be pure metaphor, but I'm just not seeing the metaphor. I can grasp at straws. Only grasp at a straw for me, <laughs> To understand, Jeffrey. but 
I felt, and this also ties into the I think the body horror thing that we're talking about is, I felt a lot of body control in this film as well. Not just body horror, but like this control over the female body, and like you know, it's like ask your father to check on you. My she says my stomach hurts. And he's like touching her in a very cold way, and it's very like artificial. And she's she, she's as much an object as the cars that she's dancing on. So there's this level of like control. Like he, she cuts her own hair, but then Vincent tries to cut her hair and only gets like half of it done at first because it's like he's trying to like take over her image. So I kind of felt like that tied into like loosely maybe and this is where i'm grasping at straws because i felt like that theme was strong but i thought it maybe tied loosely into the car baby like like a pregnant an unwanted pregnancy or a pregnancy that is forced or controlled upon you because you're not allowed to get rid of it it's it it, it in their world impossible to get rid of the way she's like punching herself in the stomach and groaning and crying in agony yeah it's like it's Uh. like a woman who's rejecting having this thing inside her that is uncontrollable and it's very disturbing and very like just like grotesque and and yeah i really that's that's where i can that's the only where i can go with moms of ours don't watch this don't watch this mom don't watch this jeff's mom you guys aren't gonna like it this is gonna be a little bit much yeah. I don't know, Alex, before we jump into like Vincent and that whole dynamic, or maybe you could tie it in, but I'm curious what your read is on the car baby. Well, I mean, it definitely it like ties into the, my theme of like it almost being indistinguishable, her, you know, be, being indistinguishable from like machine or human. And when I say machine, I don't mean like mechanically. I mean more like she's cold as fuck, right? And she's like operates on this very like just machine level it's like you'd flip a switch or something and i feel like that theme for me was the strongest and the one that i really latched onto and i think that i don't know it starts from the very beginning when she gets in the car accident and has the titanium put like into the side of her head the minute that that occurs Mm -hmm. she has this insane magnetism or like fascination so it's almost like a weird spiritual like it's like a fairy tale Almost like this little girl that was somewhat normal gets in this car accident, right? And gets like the the thing put into her. And from then on, it's like an inseparable quality that she has until obviously, you know, (laughs) the end. Yeah. No, I love this reading because one of my biggest takeaways besides like, I don't know, there are two levels, right? One of them is the the way that I described where like the, the human connection. Right. And even like the most extreme outliers of people finding a connection with someone else. And there is that moment, I think, when she turns from like machine psychopath into like a legitimate human kind of thing emotionally, where she's like he's he's taken an overdose of his uh, steroids and she's like on the ground, like with her, I think with her hairpin, she's like, "Mm, am I going to fucking kill you right now? And then she doesn't. She decides to take him to bed. And then especially at the end, it's like, it's like she crawls up and is like, help, you know, help me. And there is serious emotion going on there. Uh, what was my original point? Help me circle back. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was kind Jesse. of in like, that was kind of like in a response to my read of the, the like melding of the machine and, and the human. Ah, yes. Thank you. Um, so the other level that I was seeing this as is 
sort of what you're saying in terms of a fairy tale or magical realism, I guess you could call it, although this movie ain't so magical. <laughs> um, but more that, I feel like on a certain level, this is an experiential film. I feel like what it puts you through emotionally is as much or more of the point than the actual themes it's trafficking in, trafficking in. Because the movie puts you through this emotional and intellectual ringer where it's pushing your boundaries here and there, not just in terms of like story and psychosis and all these elements, but in terms of like gender, it, it has this question of like gender fluidity that it's playing with as she, this actress, by the way, her transformation is ridiculous. Yeah. I had to look up if it was, a, if they changed the actor because <laughs> it was so stupendous, but becoming a man and then, I don't know. It's it's wild. There are so many tangents. Brains just like slithering off into all these different places. Yeah. But yeah, I think it can be seen as an experiential film, I guess is the point. That makes yeah, sense. Like when you, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. No, I mean, it's just, I was just agreeing. It's definitely a film that's, that the uh, eliciting the emotions is probably more important than what's actually being shown. I think I think what's being shown is is meant to make you feel a certain way, which is a huge part of the way that the film is able to get you to care about these really intangible characters. Because you have a woman that's like pregnant with a car and a guy who's like sitting in his neon bathroom shooting up fucking steroids. <laughs> like all these characters are bad in a way, or mm. in more ways than one, because some of Do them have think- killed. Was there any relatability with Vincent there as somebody who had just like lost a son? No, because Vincent had an issue of like egotism and vanity that had taken over his life. And I think his son left or might have, I had a lot of like theories because his son was said, was said to be kidnapped, but you know, he could have escaped and just didn't want to come home. I feel like I had a feeling that his son was very much like, this is the image of me, like this sculpted in the image of me, this retention of my blood in myself in, in a younger form. And I think Vincent really cared about that. And with losing that, he felt like he had to preserve himself to keep that, that thing he cared about intact. And so that's why he's like, I'm God. This is Jesus. Like, you know, he has a very strong opinion of himself and his lineage. So I kind of feel like he lost relatability in that. You can see that in the way he treats Alexia, the the main, the lead actress. Um, whatever the son's name is supposed to be. I can't remember. Adrian. Adrian. Yeah. Adrian. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. You see the domineering element. And yeah, he's... There are some... I hesitate to use the word grotesque shots, but they do feel grotesque. There's the triple image of him in the mirror, and he's just like this red lump of muscle, like injecting himself. And you're just like, oh, God, it's like it almost feels transhuman. Like this movie feels transhuman. Like she's transforming herself um, not only from a man to a woman, but you also have transhumanism in terms of like giving birth to a, a cyborg child. And I don't know, certain images of him just just felt like they were crossing the border into something else. Spectacular visual filmmaking. Yeah. I, I wanted to go back to what Jeff was saying about Vincent's character being like, it's almost like he's lived in shame, right? Like, oh, I lost my son. 
like I'm a bad father. I'm like inadequate. I got to keep my body preserved and strong with these steroids. So when Adrian eventually does turn up, I'm going to be able to, you know, be there. And then he's incredibly possessive because he's probably, you know, it's like subconsciously he's already lost his first son. And I wanted to actually bring up at this point, in my opinion, I feel like Vincent is more like psychologically damaged and crazy than Alexia is. Like, dude, the whole thing with when he brings her back to the fire station <laughs> and all his coworkers are like, what the fuck? And it's like, dude, you need help. Do you think he knew the whole time though? Yes. Like, yeah. do, do you he think? Does. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because yes. you know, you know, he knows by the end because mm-hmm. he literally says, "I don't care." And I, I was wondering if it was like a dawning thing, or no. it, it's probably something he knew emotionally, but took a long time to it, like figure out intellectually. It, it was subconscious. But I think he knew from. I wanted to say this about. I think he knew from the second he saw Alexia in the. Uh, in the police, station the police station because he says you don't think i'm gonna recognize my own son so there's like a level of egotism already right there is this idea of like i would know my son and then he sees right away it's not his son anyone with a fucking brain would see she looks nothing like that picture of of the kid and he i think right there he breaks i think that's the moment he breaks where he goes Oh, I'm never going to see my son again. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is a lot. It's been so long that people are going to, like, pose as my son. And so I think he just accepts right there, like, I'm going to take what I can get. And, and he just yeah. takes her in. And But it's, this is all kind of, like, deep down. And he decides, like, no, I'm not going to believe that. And believes. And the, I love those scenes with the coworkers, Alex. Like, it's like when, like, a crazy person brings their, like, like, crack fucking girlfriend yeah and they're like how pretty is my girlfriend like dude she has no teeth yeah like she literally sucked off the bus boy a minute ago like what are you talking about like (laughs) it's just like there's just this aspect of like denial that's beyond yeah it's pathetic and i just i love it but on a side note i mean that's a weird fucking firehouse like all the dudes are real weird like they're all real handsy yeah and they're having Mm. these like big sausage party raves i was gonna say it's gonna bring up that rave it's just it's so masculine and oh yeah manly i I don't know if she was trying to make a point you know what jeff it's from france okay (laughs) i guess change it but you know like it's just it's just these it's just like Dude, she's like, oh, and like raving the whole time. It's just so like monkey man. I just don't know if she was trying to make a point about like some point about masculinity, male energy, and like dominating this like this like this profession of like being like first. I don't know, man. But it was just I just couldn't help die laughing when I saw that (laughs) rave. Especially when she gets into like her stripper mode, but she just looks like this like gangly weird dude. Yeah, but I mean, you're like, the, and you're sitting there like, oh, oh what that am was I so supposed cringy. to be feeling right now? Oh, that that was so. I was like, oh, that was... gets the Will Smith Award for most uncomfortable moment of the film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. That's uh, we'll give it that award. We'll I guess. do some awards later, but we'll just do that one right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you like that one, Alex. Deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, it becomes inextricable at times where you're like, what is what's being said here? And at a certain point, 
it becomes so complex. I'm not going to say convoluted, but it becomes so complex and so deeply layered. And it's so like deep down in the emotional minutia of it that it's almost like you're trying to pull out the tendons of an organism when you can't really do that. Oh, yeah. You're just like, uh, it's just in there and you have to just accept it. It's like even finding where I started from, like feeling wise when I started the movie, you know, you try and like tie it all together as one long narrative. And like towards the end of the film, I had no concern with what had happened at the beginning of the movie, which was weird because I was actually really concerned about the parents. And then I was like, no, we're just shutting the door. (laughs) We're locking it. And I, like narratively, it was kind of just like telling me, no, like you're not going to get up, be able to tie up this end. So I get what you're saying, like trying to pull these like, like what is solid? You know, it's like you look at it. It's like that liquid that's like when you squeeze it really hard, it, it's like turns solid and then you let it go and it just like oozes out. You know, it's like impossible <laughs> to grasp anything, but it does a good job of keeping you entertained along the way and being being very present right? Like you, you don't have to worry about where she came from or the, how this affects this journey. It just is all kind of happening. And I appreciate that aspect of the film. Yeah, I was never less than 100% engaged. Yeah. I think there are things, there are concrete things you can say that it's about, that it's trafficking. And there's a concept of connection with a, people who are extreme outliers, like we've said a number of times. There's themes of gender identity identity in general um transhumanism sort of autoeroticism <laughs> it's definitely just the list goes on and on well. like like i definitely think that i don't think that the his co-workers thought necessarily that maybe this was like i mean the one did know that he was a liar but like there was also themes of like being trans and not being accepted as who you are like that's what i took that last scene for where instead of having a realization that oh you're not like my son as in you're not the same person as in like you were my son but now you're a a woman you've transformed into a woman and i have to accept that but it's almost like not accepting because he's like well you'll always be my son (laughs) which is the worst fucking thing you could ever say to a trans person so it's just it's so wild that's uh, you could definitely make an argument you can make a solid argument that it's about transsexuality as well there's just so much there's so much but to drop back to something alex was talking about um there is a very sharp turn the movie makes that I wasn't expecting, right? I, I didn't really know much about this movie. I thought it would be more science fiction than it was. It has the sci-fi tag. And when it makes that hard transition, like when you say when she burns her family alive, and then it just goes into this really weird, uncomfortable family drama, I was like, is this what the movie is now? Yeah. And then after a while, a little while, I was like, okay, I guess it is. Yeah. Like, I didn't I didn't know where the hell this movie was going to go. I really didn't. I don't know if I've ever had, like, a Volta or a turn like that in a film that was... It's not off-putting, but it's like... I don't know. I thought the beginning was going to be this, like, stylized, cool, like, stab him up, you know, running around <laughs> town trying to... Like you said... Escape from the fugitives while also simultaneously growing a hemi inside of your belly. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that was the fucking mm-hmm. point of the movie. And then, like you said, she meets Vincent and it turns into this whole other thing. I thought Adrian and the missing children child was just kind of like a like a backdrop to the story. But then it became like that was what we were focusing on. 
And I was... You thought she was going to run away. Yeah. And, to, and it would become something else. Was, but yeah, no, you're just... Julia DeCarno is just pushing that envelope and you're just watching it bend. Yeah. You're like, okay, <laughs> how far is it going to bend? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it shit. was incredibly off-putting because like like i said in the beginning you would get this like intensely interesting story between these two characters that is beginning to take really thrilling turns and then she would like go into her room by herself and like my car baby is disturbing me i'm making oil (laughs) and you're like wait yeah that's right this is happening she starts (laughs) ripping her belly open and you see the metal in there it's just it becomes so weird all of a sudden and then it tries to shift gears again but that's why i try to say like this movie controls its tone really well and music is i think a really big part of this film's kind of success in its presentation is because it's really focuses mm-hmm. on using the right music i feel at the right time like i really realized on this like early or sorry late 60s early 70s uh like austin powersy like psychedelic hippie music like during the killing scenes and which i mean that's my favorite scene in the movie i gotta say is her <laughs> going through that that's frat house killing everybody like god damn it how many of you are yeah, there exactly i'm so tired already uh, well so we could get into some awards here is the we on one of the ones we have is the i drink your milkshake award for most memorable scene <laughs> so that be yours that one for yeah. me yeah i like that award um Right. I mean, the you just edge want of the us sink. to like the name of these awards. I do. Yeah, I, love I really them. do. They're jokes, <laughs> but like the edge of the sink for sure. Like I knew exactly what was going through the character's mind when she like she's like looking around the bathroom, like how can I break my nose better? And she just looks down <laughs> at the corner of the sink. I'm like, please don't, please don't go there. And then the camera goes underneath that corner, and you just see her coming straight down onto it. So that was definitely for me like the most memorable because I don't. I don't connect a lot with physical pain in movies. Like I can just kind of watch it, but this movie, it's like I can watch a dude getting torn apart by dogs and be like, eh, whatever. But this, like a realistic scenario, I could slip tomorrow and hit my nose on the corner of my sink. And like, I would feel exactly that. So yeah, that, that scene definitely. Yeah. I mean, I wrote these awards and I've been grappling with even answering them myself. Uh, especially that one because I want to say the movie. <laughs> so I watched this movie like two months ago. I don't think a single frame of it has left my brain. Oh, like I could have easily done this show and not watched it at all. Uh, it's it's that was that effective to where like I could probably talk about it two years from now. It's it was that vivid. Um, I think maybe the moment where. She's grappling with her humanity when, like, looking over Vincent's, like, bloated fucking form. His bloated lobster red form. (laughs) Trying to figure out if she's going to murderize him or not. (laughs) And then making that decision was interesting. But, I mean, there's... uh, When the mom comes back, when the mom of the, the kid that ran away confronts her and comes in the room and sees the real raw reality of what's happening. She sees this like pathetic creature oozing motor oil from her breasts and is just like, you better take care of him. I don't know who the fuck you are, but you better take care of him. That was, that might've been the the scene for me. That might've been the most memorable scene. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah, that scene was fucked. (laughs) (laughs) What? Nice joke. I said next joke. Oh, next joke. (laughs) Oh, well, 
Well, it had the mo- the Willem Dafoe award for most erotic scene, but do I don't think? know. I don't know. I know what erotic scene disturbed me the most. I could do that. The Willem Dafoe award for most erotic slash disturbing scene. Maybe. It could also function. Their Antichrist know, reference here. When she was here. pulling on that nip ring, man. That fucking... I was like, ooh! <laughs> like, just legitimately like grabbed at my nipples. That's what I'm saying about this movie. It doesn't go for the big like blockbuster, like, we're going to show this human body getting thrown through a wood chipper. It's going to be something as simple as when girls have nipped, pierced nipples, their hair in the shower gets stuck in it. And sometimes you need help to take it out. And towards the end of the, the like interaction she was like fuck it just pull it and like i, I wasn't was talking like, about that i was talking about when they were like making out and oh, she's like sucking on her nips and oh she yeah. like has the nipple ring within her teeth yeah 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 like okay pulling on it and you can see like the nip stretching it's like ah <laughs> don't fucking tear because they bring it up earlier in the movie there's like pain with the nipple and it's like oh god there's a lot of nipple shit in this movie. Yeah, there is. <laughs> There's a lot of breast, like, like breast horror, know, hatred, breast or stuff, like breast abuse. <laughs> I don't know, it's weird. Mm. It is interesting that in a film with something as as obscene as like somebody stabbing themselves up into themselves with a clothespin in order to abort a car baby the thing you can choose and it's a, obviously like a, an actually a really good choice for most uncomfortable slash erotic is like that yeah right like just just a realistic representation of like oh god no not the nipple you know <laughs> no <laughs> it just it, it almost looks like it's gonna tear and it's really well done and you're just like no don't uh. fucking tear because you can imagine that happening I yeah. can't imagine someone snipping their clit off with some scissors. Yeah. You oh. know? Like, I can't, mm. but I can imagine. Nice shout out to Antichrist right there. <laughs> I, I just, but I can imagine someone pulling so hard that you rip a piercing out of a nip, dude. Oh. Dude, I'm cringing just hearing this. We got to move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last one I have written here, and we can go into other stuff, is just uh, the Phil Hoffman Award for Best Performance. Not a joke. He was just a really great actor. And that's our way of saying thumbs up to you, Phil, and the great beyond. I want to say the main character, but Vincent. Alexia. You think Vincent? Yeah, Vincent. Yeah, you know, I'll have to, I'll go with the main character in this sense. Just because she was a, quite a force throughout the whole movie. Um, both kinetically and, like, her um, visage is just really, like, she's really good at, like, playing, like, this dead inside kind of, like, look. And... Speaking to my machine theme, you know, like there were parts where I actually thought she was operating on more of a mechanical level because of her acting. Um, and then just like those bursts of humanity and like the fights or the party frat scene, you know, but I'm going to have to go and make a weird one and give a shout out to the black dude at the party who she killed, who I did not think she was going to kill. He was like, like nice. A nice guy. Yeah. They I was like, thinking about like big bear. Yeah, yeah. French black guys. It's just like it's not like, like I, I like. Yeah, I'm Jean. How are you? Yeah, like the dude like, from um, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Exactly, exactly, dude. Like it's just like you. Something about that character. It's just like you're like, yeah, dude, I like that guy. Yeah, and don't, I was don't like, kill that guy. And she he did. seems nice. She did. <laughs> well, she did. She did. Yeah, she stabbed him in the back with a fire poker. I know. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's almost not fair because the two lead performances are so spectacular in this film. But I think I think for the just for the element of understanding where his character was coming from more so than I could Alexia's. Alexia was like a fucking alien to me, you know, until the, uh, I guess towards the end, but still I didn't understand the backdrop of who she was. Vincent is a little more tangible. I'm not going to say relatable because I don't relate to almost anything uh, about him at all, but, but, um, I, I could see where he comes from, right? I can see the elements of his personality and his trauma informing the performance so just for that, I got to give the award to him. But but man, holy cow, both of them just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. All three, all three, two, both lead actors and the director. You know, the father, yeah. her father too, was good at playing an asshole, I guess. Yeah. Very I mean, cold. not many lines, but he was a great like body act, like, you know, physical yeah. actor. You could tell through body language and... I like that he didn't age very much. And like I know. The, she went from like 8 to like 20. She went from 8 to 32, and he went from like 42 to 48. I know. 43. He has like one more gray <laughs> yeah, hair. Barely at all. Yeah. That was like that was like in the movie Alex and I saw called High Life where Robert Pattinson uh, ages not at all. They give him And a, his daughter ages like 15 years. Yeah. And you're like, what? It's very confusing. He has a tiny gray patch at the beginning of the movie, and then they just make it bigger, like a little bit bigger. And that's it. <laughs> Everything yep. else is yeah. supple. <laughs> can be hard to age people up in a movie. I get it. Yeah. You got to do young age makeup or old age makeup. Or digital. In which that or do digital awful. these days. Hey, yeah. Salieri still. Best example, in my opinion, of aging a character. And, I mean, he's just a fucking monster of an actor. So he, but he just... also already had that kind of, like, like chiseled face. Yeah, he was know, like. With, like, lines. Yeah. And, deep grooves he didn't have like a smooth face that you were trying to age with lines like tom holland the actor in his young days was already kind of like lined oh, up so making yeah. it a little more wasn't that hard yeah if mary abram was never you know like on posters of walls of teeny boppers or anything like that he could yeah, be he wasn't he wasn't socking he was just cream. he's only yeah. on alex's wall yeah, it's just a big old fucking <laughs> poster of him is him next to pamela anderson <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah is, is that the signal of Jeff's done? Oh boy! Jesus. Oh boy! Or is that a bad, just a bad joke? This is a bad joke. Okay. All right. Well, what about what about Guy Pierce for old age makeup in Prometheus? You guys remember that? Yeah, no. but Guy Pierce too is kind of bad. one of those ones who like it's not good old age makeup is too much. He has. Oh, such was he a supposed to be playing um, Doctor Whalen? Uh, Doctor Whalen? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. That was dog shit. Yeah, <laughs> that was weird because like. Guy Pierce is Jeff even more aged. unkind than I am here. What about um? What about um? What's her Tilda Swinton in Suspiria? I haven't seen the Suspiria remake. Oh. I really need to do that. Wow, it's totally up my. That alley. was actually something I wanted to mention with this movie was that I got like some very like strong like uh, Suspiria remake vibes after finishing it, where I was like, "Wow, that was a lot." I need to watch that too. I've never seen it. Yeah, we should oh, do that. Shit. Yeah, let's do that on the show. Episode. Someone can pick it. Um, well then, who's next? Who's uh, next? Who's I, next in the round table? Caleb. 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 Yeah, Caleb. <laughs> Alex. Caleb. Playing along with Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> we just bring Alex. a fourth person on to just totally assert my pick. All of a sudden, boom! Yeah, just joins yeah. In, you guys on. just ignore me for the entire episode. I like show up to recording and everything, and just Caleb's there instead of me. This is the brain trust. Yeah. It's just, you're so out. so. 
to bring it back, like, so this is, I know maybe this isn't like an unfair question, but it's like, how do you wrap up this film? Do you, do you see you like it? Like, where does it fall in the cinematic lexicon for you? You know, like, um, where does this fit? I would say watch it as soon as possible. If uh, this is like weird, just general catch all advice to anyone. Watch it as soon as possible um, when you hear about it. And I don't know, like it's going, you're going to go into it thinking that it's going to make you uncomfortable for certain themes like sex and violence and some weird sci-fi stuff, but it will make well, you if uncomfortable. If you've listened to this whole show before seeing yeah. it, <laughs> you have spoiled a lot of the moments, but I don't think that's going to be true yeah. for any, I don't think anyone will listen to this whole thing without watching the film. Very strong female, like girl power presence in the film right too like you can't really deny that aspect of it so i don't know i i don't know why i feel like it's a film that needs to be watched now it's just on fire right now critically it just came out and it's like i don't know it's like streaking through the sky like a comet and i don't know i just feel like you should catch it now before it maybe like is deadened a little bit by your exposure to films that will come out after titan that will try and do the same thing get this one first yeah because it is it does feel very current and it's difficult to say exactly why except to like cast a broad umbrella over all the themes we've talked about that are very current and it doesn't feel like lame yeah in that regard right like a lot of things can you're like oh it's tackling all the current issues of the day no 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 This is doing it because it wants to and because it has something to say and it has a way it wants to make you feel and it's going to do that in a way you've never seen before in a way you've never quite felt before. Yeah. Like I, I definitely put it, I put it out there in the, in the, the, the outer borders of cinema along with like Lars von Trier and shit like that. Like, and I think that I'm super excited that this is a filmmaker that exists. Yeah. And I love this movie. You know, thinking about it, and I was thinking about what we talked about last week or the week before. I was like, what was my favorite movie of 2021? And this might actually be it. It's the one that I've thought about the most since I watched it. It's the one that I was ex- the most excited to talk about. Ex- although The Green Knight, I was very excited to talk about with you guys as well. But, but The Green Knight did not push boundaries in a way that fascinated me as much as this. I think this was at least the most interesting movie of the year. Yeah, I didn't think it was good. I didn't think it was bad. It just is what it is. You know, it, 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 it's a film that has such a multi-layered theme and such a multi-layered voice to it. It doesn't sound like it's coming from one person. It sounds like it's coming through a, from a lot of different women's experiences, uh, different trauma experiences all kind of being channeled through this director, which I think adds a lot of, like, just value and genuineness to the film so I, I i enjoy it for that um and it's beautiful to look at i mean that's just undeniable like this film is just the it's it's technically gorgeous and uh you can't really go wrong so yeah i mean it's a film that's definitely worth watching but uh it can be a little bit of a, a kind of a uh, kind of a turn away well, at sometimes well let me ask you this jeff how does it stack up the kung fu hustle so, I mean, you can, you know, move, if you try to compare movies like that, 
I know, I'm just being a dick. <laughs> I will say, it's more accessible than Von Trier, to go back to what you're saying, Jesse. I, do you think so? I do. Do you actually think I so? I actually think, like... Yeah, this, um, this movie's like Suspiria light, let alone Antichrist. It's, like, aesthetically mm. a lot more engaging than some of Von Trier's works, and I feel like Von Trier's slow, and he he's just as disturbing, but it's almost, like, in this weird gothic kind of frame where you, like, you're like, okay, this is serious. This is Von Trier. We're going to get dark. We're going to get gritty and weird. But this director takes some of those same themes, but like puts it through a different type of press, you know, and puts a different spin on it. Where I actually think for a normal movie going audience, it's more aesthetically and cinematographically. If that is a word, cinematically, yeah, yeah, cinematically, it's just more. Engaging. We know, we know words yeah. that are about <laughs> cinema. We talk about movies. I'm a wordsmith for way too goddamn long. <laughs> Getting to be out there. Word. Let's end it. Let's wrap it. All right. I think we're done. Uh, do you, you guys want to give it a nine minute standing ovation before we end? Oh yeah. No. <laughs> do our uh, do our cans routine. I'll do eighteen for Jeff. I'll take Jeff's nine okay. minutes. Okay. Right, okay. Well, we'll put <laughs> that in after the credits or not. Well, thank you for listening to The Real Weirdos. We're two and a half white men with English degrees talking about movies for way too goddamn long. Talking about Titan. I loved it. It's interesting. Go watch it. Coming out with us on Twitter at Real, Weirdo, at Real Weirdos Pod. That's what it is, right? Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, that's what it is. And uh, leave a comment below saying whatever. And yep. we'll catch you all in the next one. Yep. Later. Titan my balls. Chicka chaka now our podcast is done and we have to run we know it is sad but we had so much fun don't be bereft jesse alex and jeff will be back real soon the real weirdos we talk about movies for way too goddamn long Bo 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 bo